I'm Dave Rubin, and today on The Rubin Report, I'll be chatting with Dr. Ron Paul about last week's censorship of his Facebook page, the incoming Biden administration, the outgoing Trump administration, and the state of liberty in the U.S. in 2021. But first, I want to tell you about Bonner Private Wine. Anyone here like to have a drink once in a while? I think you guys know I do. I've got a bottle of wine in my hand right now, and I'd like to share with you how to make that drink 10 times healthier. Down in Argentina, they make this really dark red wine from Malbec grapes grown at 9,000 feet. They've lab tested these wines and found that they contain up to 10 times the levels of a nutrient called resveratrol. Resveratrol's powerful stuff, it pops up again and again in studies on longevity, heart health, and brain health. These wines also have 90% less sugar, fewer chemicals, and fewer additives. Plus, if you love steak and BBQ as much as I do, you'll be happy to hear that red wine has been shown to actually make red meat healthier. But the best part is the wine taste with notes of blackberry, leather, smoke, and a little dark cherry. Today, the guys at freethinkerwine.com are giving you 50% off their best Malbecs and 50% off shipping. Wine makes a great gift, even if it's just a gift to yourself. Just visit freethinkerwine.com today. That's freethinkerwine.com. And now back to me. All right, today, I am absolutely thrilled, guys. This has been about five, six years in the making. We tried to do it in person a couple times. It didn't quite work out. You may know that this guy's not thrilled with the TSA, and neither am I. Uh, but finally, I am talking to author, physician, retired congressman, and former presidential candidate, Dr. Ron Paul, finally, welcome to the Rubin Report. Thank you, Dave, real nice to be with you. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you. Uh, we've obviously wanted to have this conversation for quite some time. I think you know a bit about my sort of awakening into the, the freedom space, the liberty space. Um, but to have you on right now, the day before the Biden administration comes in, we're wrapping up the Trump administration, and with so much going on with tech censorship and everything else, I, I thought the timing would be just perfect. So let's just start. Last week, out of nowhere, your Facebook page was suspended. Now, I believe it's back, uh, but this happened with no warning, and uh, you, you've been warning about the power of big tech for quite some time. Of course, they said there was no, there was plenty of warning. We warned you, and uh, when we inquired about it, he said you you uh, failed to follow your various warnings. Well, which wasn't true. They 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 never uh, they they never warned us at all. But the reason they said was that I don't follow community standards, and I I didn't know about community standards. I wasn't taught that uh, in college or medical school or any place. <laughs> I I thought I thought. Uh, I thought, oh, well, that's his public thing. You're a public official now. I said, well, should I get my community standards from Fox or from CNN or MSNBC? Where, where did I find these answers? And I says, besides, why are you bugging me? I'm no threat to you. I'm just a little outfit, you know, you know, poking a little bit of fun at them. But uh, they, they, of course, just don't want anybody to disagree with. If you're dealing with an idea and you come across, you know, he might be telling the truth, then they know you're a danger. Yeah, what do you make of the extraordinary power that big tech ha has over us right now that the founders could have never imagined a structure so big, sort of above the government that controls all of our information? 
Well, it's terrible, but the answer is not simplistic. It's not like just do this uh, and we can get back to a free market. Uh, I had to look at that carefully, and I don't like it any more than anybody else, but I don't like the principle of, of writing run one regulation and telling them what they can do and monitor everything they do. That certainly isn't a libertarian answer uh, to solving solving this problem. Uh, but uh, if, if one looks at how the Internet developed, and try to understand where did it come from? Is it an outgrowth of free markets and, and volunteerism? And I came to the conclusion, absolutely not. You know, the internet came about some other way. And uh, there was a lot of financing. A lot of financing still continues. They get legal protection, uh, you know, for what they do. So I would say that the market is has been pushed aside. And that's where the trouble comes from. And that we should think about how do you return to the market, which is, which is not easy. But I think there's enough technology to have have it, make it available to those of us that would like to have a different, uh, a different outlet for our, our views. And I think the, the only way I can think of is the principle is, is go toward as much private property as you can and exclude, you know, government regulations and rules. And also uh, to uh, emphasize the issue of uh, of voluntary agreements, the contract. The contract is what saves the marketplace. Voluntary arrangement, get together, agree on it, and have a voluntary arrangement. And uh, that doesn't exist with it now, and they don't want to have any part about it. All they want to do is gang up on us and act in concert. So all the big uh, tech companies get together, and then they can pile on. They're very, very powerful. But I tell you what, if you get enough people who believe in something else, and uh, and other people use their ingenuity and their ability. I think uh, we can we can you know provide the competition that is necessary. Yeah, you're speaking my language. That's exactly why I started Locals.com, and I think we're talking to your guys about it this week. Did did you find that you saw a lot of libertarians in the last couple of weeks sort of jumping ship on that idea? However, because they go, well, this thing is just too big, and if you can blow up Amazon servers and knock Parler off, that the idea, the very idea of competition sort of doesn't exist anymore. I heard a lot of that from libertarians. Yeah. I always believe that the market and human ingenuity will solve things. Yeah, I think that's the best way to describe it. It's sort of like they disappeared. They're not joining the gang and making fun of us. It's just that uh, they don't want to get into the debate. It's too complicated for them. And I sort of felt that way at the beginning because the first thing I wanted to do was not interfere. And uh, But then I also accepted the principle that I've sort of observed over the many years is that when you have trouble like this, it usually involves the government. There's been a couple very good books about, uh, you, you know, monopolies and, and powerful organizations. And almost always, if not always, uh, if you have a, a monopoly, uh, it's going to need the government to establish it or protect it. So the uh, monopolies uh, don't come as a consequence of free market. The main thing there to prevent that from happening is free entry, you know, that you can't prohibit entry. But that's what we're all facing now mm -hmm. uh, that I uh, want to get our information out uh, is that the entry is getting more and more difficult. But as I, I'm going to let the smart people that know how to work this technology. And I want to look at it and I want to help and I want to encourage it. But I also want to emphasize the issue of private property and volunteerism because I believe the answer is there. And I think what we have 
have now is an outgrowth of way too much uh, government. And uh, they get a big tech gets a lot of funding. They make a lot of money off this thing. And I, I would think that's a good way to maybe limit to what they can do is don't do business with them. Why should the taxpayer have to do business with these companies? And uh, of course, that's when the people in Washington just crumble because uh, I, don't, I, I suspect you know, David, that uh, both Republicans and Democrats tend to uh, get along with these big corporations. They may mm-hmm. fight out in the open, but uh, it's, a, it's bipartisan whether when I make my complaints, I always make the point, you know, whether it's monetary policy spending, deficits, war or whatever, very bipartisan, no matter what the noise you hear, the bipartisanship is very strong. And that's the reason that we have a problem is that bipartisanship endorses these principles of interventionism and inflationism and uh, constant wars. And uh, too many people trust in the uh, bipartisan system that they can watch each other. Just gets going through these elections. It sounds like only two people at loggerheads. But uh, did, do the Republicans ever cut the back spending? No, they usually increase it. So this is the reason people have to look at the issues uh, and rather than accepting the idea that this is a, a narrow partisan fight that's going on, because that's not true. Yeah, somehow they say they disagree on everything, but they always agree on spending more and more wars. Although as Trump's presidency ends tomorrow, he did not start any new wars. So to sort of recap what Trump did, I mean, I assume you're happy with some cut taxes, getting rid of some regulation, kicking some stuff back to the states, not going to war, that all fits the the libertarian lens, uh, but spending did increase. Uh, I'm sure you have some other problems with Trump. Where, where do you grade these four years from a liberty perspective? Well, not real well, but uh, compared to what? <laughs> you know, compared to others, compared, compared to Obama. We didn't go to, to war, that's pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, but, but uh, some of the things that are established, I would say that we're more on the verge of a big, serious war with Iran. So uh, those things like that uh, bother me. Uh, but no, I would say taking the issue that I spent the most time on in my political career, and I think it's so important because it's so pervasive, and that is the monetary issue in the Federal Reserve. It was a disaster there uh, in a friendly way type of thing, you know, but, but he... Uh, when, when uh, he needed the Fed to do something, he was, he was a powerful person. He had a lot of influence. And when the establishment and probably the deep state was the little thing, he's gone too much. I mean, this thing is in shambles. We, we have to start, uh, you know, winding down our balance sheet and that kind of thing. Uh, but he, uh, he, he said, you're going to get these interest rates down. And he was tough and strong. And he, it, he, he prevailed. So in some ways, if you look at, Trump, and I agree with the positives that you mentioned, but if you uh, look at what Trump did, he, he spoke sort of like a modern monetary theorist, uh, you know, of what, you know, it's back to helicopter money, give them what they need. It's uh, $6 trillion of uh, debt in this past year, and it's still coming. But now, now the Republicans, they'll, they'll go back to their roots. <clears throat> now they will be Biden deficits, and we can't allow that to happen. Do you sense that sort of the, the biggest problem for libertarians to get the messaging out is that people seem unable to understand that it's about spending that 
it's always, the government is always spending more and more, that it's just set up to always spend more and more and more. And even if you, they cut taxes a little bit or they throw us $600 a person, that it comes with a package that puts us in that much more debt, that just talking about spending and debt, it's not sexy enough to sort of get the ideas out there in a, in a mainstream way? Yes, and it's very temporary. I consider it like <clears throat> trying to uh, treat a drug addict by just giving him more drugs and he feels better. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> but that's what happens when you put the money out there. That sort of helps and makes the economy feel better. I thought our current crisis started uh, in, in, uh, in 99, uh, not in 2000. Uh, and that was when... Uh, uh, when the balance sheet was in, in big trouble and it was evident that things were going to turn down if they didn't really, really pump. And uh, they, they capitulated and they did it. And uh, you say, well, you know, you, if you took the other side of the argument, yeah, but didn't he save the day? Didn't that really rally? If you'd have done nothing, wouldn't that have led to a lot of correction? Yeah, probably would have, but it would probably been all over by now. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> they prevented the bankruptcy, but they delayed the inevitable big bankruptcy because they wanted to flood the market you know, with the money, and they could tide it over. It temporarily helps, and the drug addict uh, feels better. So there was no hesitation at all. It's never been done before, and now we have a financial bubble bigger than any other time in our history is the way I see it. Right, so now with that in mind, going into a Biden administration where they're you know, promising all sorts of stuff and we know we're gonna see a massive expansion of government and half of the swamp people are, are all coming back and there'll be no program that's too big. I mean, you, you can't be very hopeful at the moment, right? Well, vaguely so. I'm I'm always going to remain hopeful, or I'd have to do something else, uh, you know, <laughs> other than trying to thing, tell yeah. people there's hope in our message. And I know you have hope in our message. But the big thing is is getting that that message out and getting people to understand it. No, I see it as an opportunity. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, you know, Vietnam War was a horror until the people spoke out and the Vietnam War ended. But what about, see, I remember the Cold War very, very well. <clears throat> I've studied that. I was drafted in 1962 and uh, I was in the service for uh, five, five years. And that was the height of the Cold War. But nobody back then even hinted that they thought, well, you know, it's, don't sweat it, folks. It's no big deal. The Soviet system doesn't work. It's fa it'll fail and it's going to disappear. I never dreamed that 1989 would arrive in 1990. The wall would come down. And all of a sudden, we had a wonderful opportunity. We had improvement, but unfortunately, the world went along with our interventionism, inflationism, and Federal Reserve stuff and, and having deficit. But I'll tell you, uh, we, we, uh, I was in the Air Force and there was a lot of preparations being made to have a nuclear exchange. I was drafted you know, during the Cuban crisis. It just disappeared. So I think this is gonna disappear, but I am worried about what the replacement are because the people who want to know it too, and they're probably, they're even hurrying it on, are those people who want to disrupt the streets and, and bring this to an end. Uh, so to me, it's an intellectual fight. It's getting the ideas out. Even when I see people like you out there uh, pass, getting out a message, and you're not even, allowed to, you're not even frightened to use the, use the words of liberty, uh, that's what we need. And uh, now, 
people, people, you know, just think of all those restaurateurs in Italy. Thousands and thousands. I said, enough is enough. We're open for business. And I think that can happen. And so I think of people now, you, you know, like the Mises Institute. I think Lou Rockwell has done a fantastic job. And uh, I, I uh, you know, did a did get, I did do a little bit of campaign in the presidential campaign and sort of sort of was surprised anybody cared. Uh, so young people frequently would come up to me after. So, oh, oh, I'm excited about this. So what do I do? Tell me what I do. Should I run for office and all that? And I said, do whatever you want to do. And so many, so many have. You might not have been in that category, but you did what you want to do. And now you have a voice. It is an intellectual problem. It's an ideological problem to get an answer out and a message out because things don't happen out of the clear blue. And uh, the people on the streets just think it up. And, you know, I was I tell people it's ideology that's important. What about when these wars start? Why do they support and support? Why do they get started? I said, young people in America don't get together with the young people in Europe or Asia and, and talk to each other and say, you know what? We're 18 now. Wouldn't it be neat if we had a war? Uh, and because let's go ahead and start a war. They're the last people that want a war. And yet. Uh, the ideology of Keynesianism and socialism and welfareism, because government is force. The bigger the government, the more force it is. That's why I'm so strongly uh, in favor of gun control of the people in governments. We need to regulate their guns because that the gun is used to impose the system on us. You know, no matter what they do and tell us, and all the programs that are coming are always enforced with government guns. And uh, that's the kind of a force that we have to resent. But defensive force is, of course, uh, obviously proper and necessary in a free society. Yeah, you gave me a couple of ways to go there. So. Uh, first, on, on the force part of it, I mean, have you seen the images coming out of D.C. the last couple of days? 25,000 troops on the ground, walls being built. I mean, basically a ghost town. It, it, it's just unbelievable. That's to scare the people and tell people who's really in charge. And the other people, you know, the, the ones who are there... Uh, their propaganda stunt went perfectly because when I say this, this is one of those risky things you don't say on the Internet. People aren't supposed to realize it. But it, it was uh, it was related uh, to Donald Trump and the people that support him. But, you know, the ruthlessness, I just don't believe it. You know, I may be wrong. Uh, and uh, I think it's up for discussion. I just wish they'd allow more investigation, you know, whether it's for the election or what happens under these conditions. But the whole thing is, is uh, uh, that the, there was a, a use of force, but it, it, compared to what, what happened when they marched into the Capitol, compared to the armed forces that we see now, how about the 250,000 plus bureaucrats who carry a gun to enforce all the regulations, you know, and collect the taxes and uh, tell us what to do. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands carrying guns. That's not a good uh, excuse for claiming that we have a free society. At the same time, we have to get rid of the Second Amendment. The problem is, is the people have too many guns. Well, I think we have too much government. I wouldn't decide that we can have the bureaucracy and no guns in the government. We need a lot less people there. We have a much should have a much smaller bureaucracy, and it should go with uh, it should be automatic that they shouldn't be carrying guns to enforce laws that shouldn't even be on the books.
You are speaking my language. So, so you mentioned that I'm not afraid to say the word liberty. I, I describe myself at this point as a radical freedom extremist. So, so there you go. Uh, but oh, to, yeah, even, don't <laughs> to even have these conversations online, I mean, the way you said the thing about the election, just for a sec, that you would have just liked more uh, investigations or whatever, even that, it's, I don't, that doesn't seem incendiary to me or anything else. It's getting harder and harder to even say, okay, I just want to have a discussion about that, not even say that there's something wrong. Yeah, that's all, that's all we should be asking for because we believe we can stand up against their ideas. What about uh, me as a physician and somebody in politics, and then we, we look at coronavirus, and the worst thing you can do is take a medical position that contradicts the uh, people who want the lockdown. Well, you can get into a lot of trouble with that, and yet uh, science has settled it. Even today, I think I mentioned in my program, science, you know, science had trouble settling the fact that they thought the earth was flat. People <laughs> lost their lives. People lost their lives over that. And in medicine, uh, you know, since I've studied medicine, there's been a lot of things in medicine that were wrong. Uh, they, they contradicted. Even that some things, some of the things that I was taught in the 1950s about obstetrics uh, turned out not to be right. We used to have a saying, once a C-section, always a C-section. But it took somebody else. It took people who were not uh, in the official medical profession to, to challenge those things. That's what we want. We want challenging competition and ideas. And uh, we, we have to be able to discuss it. When you can't discuss it, that becomes the problem. It isn't, it isn't whether I'm right or, I'm, or, or, or somebody else is wrong about how you take care of a, of a virus. And uh, because there are two different ways to do it. Anywhere from you, uh, you know, uh, build up an industry that can make a couple bucks on vaccines or, or whatever. But uh, you should have the discussion, and that's what they're preventing. That's why, Dave, keep it going. You have to stay on there, and I hope you build a big audience. Uh, that's the plan, my friend. All right, I have one more for you, and then we're going to go to it's the first time I've ever done it. I normally don't do audience questions, but I just knew how many people were going to want to ask you things, so I figured we'd grab one. But you, you've hit on this a little bit. You talked about what's going on in Italy now with all 50,000 restaurants opening up, and people are just saying enough's enough. So I know your feelings on the lockdown. Anyone watching this can figure out your feelings on lockdowns. But are you surprised how quickly everyone gives up freedoms, gives up the ability to leave their houses, gives up their ability to make money and go to work and do all the things that give us dignity and purpose, and that we just continually, you know, they two weeks to flatten the curve. It's literally almost a year later at this point. D does that concept, does that shock you or not at this point? Well, it uh, bothers me, uh, and um, it, it's annoying, but I'm not totally shocked by it. I am impressed how pervasive, you know, these doctrines, which have been preached for 30, 40, 50 years in our universities, that's where the source of all this comes from. So I expected it, but I, I was impressed with how pervasive, how worldwide it's been, especially dealing uh, with the coronavirus. But that... Uh, that to me, I just flipped the coin. I said, yes, but I've already made the example of the Soviet system. You know, it ran out of steam. 
And how can how can what they're doing now? Do you think uh, interventionism is going to be main uh, will be made uh, you know universally acceptable and wonderful? People are going to be happy, and the poor won't be poor, and and uh, there will not be a division of wealth that we have. No, that that's going to be around, and that's what will end it. It's this. Uh, maldistribution of wealth, and this is uh, certainly related to the monetary system. That is here, and that's why it's going to force a change. The big thing is, you'll say, well, you know for sure? How do you know it might not get worse? Well, that's the problem. It may get worse before it gets better. But I tell you what, the only thing that can address it will be address it in intellectual terms and show that uh, you know, and, and we hear the words, what do you guys want to do? You want to live like Venezuela? But that's not a lot to be on the news, you know, and you can't talk about that. And that, that's a terrible thing to say. But people will come around to that and they're, they're going to realize it. But it's up to us and it's up to other people because there may be a few people listening to us today. David doesn't have their own program. They say, oh, yeah, that's Dave guy. He's a brilliant guy. and He has a great program on. And he gets on TV and they say they throw up their hands. But I'll tell you what, I've seen some young people come up with amazing ideas and be more creative than they ever even knew they were. But they have to have a belief in something and they have to be energized to do something. And they do have to have a bit of confidence that ideas are important and good ideas can stamp out bad ideas. Oh, well said, well said. All right, so here's the audience question for you, and then I know you've got a busy day, so we're gonna let you go. I'm gonna get you in a little hot water, probably with your family at the moment, because the question from Cody G in the Rubin Report Locals community is, will Dr. Paul encourage his son Rand to run for president in 2024? Well, I'll tell you what, I tell him what I just told all the young people that ever came up to me. <laughs> Do whatever you want, you know. I know, I know my son, and I don't know where he learned it, but he's very independent-minded, and he's very well-read, and uh, he, he knows a little bit about politics. Because I think I, uh, <clears throat> I hinted to him when he decided to uh, step into the political arena, he was going to run for the Senate. And I sort of gently said, are you sure you want to run for the Senate to start off with? Shouldn't you take it a little bit easy? No, I know better than that. So my answer is, is I'm very libertarian on that. He'll make up his own mind. But uh, I will have to admit that uh, when all things are equal, if, if he does run and we aren't winning the fight that we're talking about here, it would uh, it would worry me a bit because conditions are so lousy and uh, and I've seen especially the anti-war faction in this country. It's a very deadly challenge. The pro-war pro pro-peace candidate, the Kennedys or Martin Luther King, is very very dangerous in that sense. So, but otherwise, everything we do in life is uh, is a little bit dangerous. So, and Rand would say, "Yeah, I've already been shot at on the baseball field. I've already had my neighbor attack me." So he would say, "It's already dangerous." And I guess he was accosted, accosted, accosted in the war, in the streets of uh, of Washington. No, and the answer is he'll do what he has. He'll do what he feels he has to, and uh, that's what everybody should do. But. Rand, I know, has studied hard and understand, understands the morality of liberty, but that's what I tell young people. Know your subject. Study it. Look into the Mises Institute. Know exactly why free markets are helpful to poor people. That in itself is a message that has to be heard. But today, 
The poor people still believe it's because the rich people are there. It's all because of that free enterprise system. No, it's uh, very much uh, intertwined with uh, corporatism, where the corporations have joined the government to abuse our rights, and that is the challenge. But the information is there, the internet is there, you're working on it yourself, Dave, and this is important that the internet be preserved and new ideas come up. I saw something today about uh, Bitcoin might be an old-fashioned idea. I said, I'm just trying to learn what Bitcoin's all about. <laughs> they, were, they were saying Bitcoin might be an old idea. <laughs> so there's always going to be a new idea. Technology is great. One of the, my biggest laments that I've written about is technology is fantastic. When you think of just the 20th century, with all the war and all the killing, just think about how many people's lives have been improved. Just think of the people who are, you know, uh, causing all the crisis in this country and are <clears throat> causing riots and everything else because they've been, they've, their rights have been abused. That category of people, the very, very poor in this country, are probably wealthier than 90% of the population of the world in 100 years. There's still a lot there. But my big beef is technology is tremendously helpful. The modern age, industrial revolution, and now the computers really, really does help uh, tremendously. But my beef is that so much of it ends up in the control of the government, yep. and the government uses this technology to fight wars and build new weaponry. And that's where that's where the real threats come from and real problems that they have. But the technologies there could improve the standards of the people. And until we understand the importance of a non-aggressive society, you know, no aggression against other people, no lying, cheating, stealing, or killing. One rule there. And the world would be a real blessing for the most number of people ever know. Congressman, you know how to end an interview like a pro. And I just want to say truly, th this was an absolute thrill. I have no doubt that, that we'll do it again, either on these pipes or, or hopefully in person. Maybe I'll get to Texas uh, soon enough and we could do it in person. But you've been fighting the fights that I think are the right fights for, for a long time before me. And you, you opened up the world so a guy like me could get interested in this movement. And, uh, and I'm just thrilled to chat with you and, and be fighting alongside you. So thanks for taking the time. And, and we'll talk soon. Great to be with you. All right, guys, uh, I'm gonna continue for a few more minutes. I, I know we probably could have done six hours uh, with Ron Paul, obviously, and it's like, man, he's been doing this stuff just forever and led that Tea Party movement that was, that was called racist and bigoted and teabaggers and all of the awful things they said about them on CNN and they were insurrectionists. You may remember that, you know, what was that about 10 years ago? Um, I think it was 2008, right? That was when he ran for president, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, and there, were, there was massive rallies and they were just, all the worst things were said about these people. Does that sound kind of familiar? And really all these people cared about was the constitution and freedom and liberty and the rest of it. And it's like his message is still as clear as it's ever been. And, and I really love this idea that he said that, that is something that I've been trying to get out for the last few months here, which is that the bad ideas will crumble and the good ideas will win. Like if, you're, if your ideas are wrapped up and we hire people not on their skill but on their skin color, or you know, we're gonna just grow the ever-growing state and we're gonna take from the people produce and give to these other people, like those things will crumble. It's gonna take time and it's like how bad can it get before it gets better? 
But the challenge for all of us, right, if you, if you care about freedom at any level, if you care about liberty at any level, if you care about your own life to live it the way you see fit at any level, it's like human ingenuity is the answer. And then we should have, and this is exactly what Ron Paul was talking about, we should have then those debates, right? We should be able to discuss all of this stuff because obviously the pure conservative is gonna have a little more desire for government than the pure libertarian. And by the way, I completely get all of you guys that say that, that Trump should have done something about big tech when he had the chance. It, that makes sense to me. That's not the pure libertarian perspective. Senator Paul, or sorry, Congressman Paul wouldn't even want that now knowing that he was booted temporarily from Facebook last week. But what a rich place to have a conversation about what do you do if this giant structure is trying to crush all the competition? Can competition still exist? Like that's a great debate to have. By the way, you can have that debate pretty, pretty openly and honestly with a lot of people on the right right now. That's why I keep saying what I think the future of America, if it is to be free at any level, will be a sort of center-right future. You're gonna have your traditional conservatives, then you're gonna have the more libertarian wing of conservatism. That's where someone like me would, would fall. Then you're gonna have your more religious conservatives. And if we can just sort of agree to disagree on, oh, we don't have to fully believe absolutely everything the same on every little policy and regulation here, or this or that, or even abortion or whatever it might be, but, but we basically wanna live in the same country, well, that'll be a hell of a lot better. So it's, it's kinda everybody, versus the wokesters, and I, I, like our, I like our chances in that regard. Uh, guys, real quick before we wrap, and then by the way, we'll be doing regular shows all week. Obviously, tomorrow is going to be quite a day politically. Hopefully, it will be completely peaceful. Let's talk about ideas. Let's not kill each other. Let's not bring political violence. Let's not condone political violence. Um, and our work is just starting. It really is just starting. So anyway, we're, we're live all week, and then we've got a panel on Friday, which I'm not gonna, I'll tease the guests tomorrow, how about that? Because uh, we've got two of, of the three settled, we're waiting on one more, but it's gonna be a great panel, and we're gonna try to do those, those Friday uh, panel shows going forward, because I know you guys loved it, and I actually fully enjoyed it. Um, and then maybe there'll be some other surprises throughout the week, uh, but real quick, guys, it's a new year, and if you're looking for a new protein bar, I've got one in my hand, what are the chances? Built Bar is the secret to keeping you both to keeping both of your New Year's resolutions, eating healthier food and eating tastier food. Built Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for the keto diet. I can actually lose or maintain weight while indulging in a yummy treat. Healthy has never been this delicious. Built Bars taste like candy and come in 18 amazing flavors. Flavors, as you know, I like that cookies and cream. Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, include both nut, and nut-free flavors and are soft and easy to chew. After the holidays, we still want to indulge, but we also need to shed those additional pounds, myself included, which is why Built Bars are the perfect alternative to pie for the health-conscious guy. And in the coconut almond flavor, you're getting 18 Gs of protein, 180 calories, five grams of sugar, and five net carbs, not bad. Don't give up on your resolution. Built Bar is the answer. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Ruben to get 20% off your next order. Use promo code Ruben for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And uh, that's all I got for you today. Join us at locals.rubinreport.com. We're building something really great, guys. And trust me, everybody's reaching out to me right now, right? Like this parlor thing, which I would have preferred not happen, the sort of implosion of parlor. And of course, I do believe it will come back and they'll have some more security and tighten some things. Uh, it's, it's actually, at the same time, though, created a great opportunity to shine some light on locals. We're getting a lot of good press. I'm getting calls from VCs 
and all sorts of money people that want to help us grow. Our, our growth is like hockey sticking right now. And we're, we're building small communities uh, where you own the stuff and you control the content and there's a paywall so there's no bad actors, there's no hate or any of it. It's, it's like social media but completely the reverse. All right guys, uh, join me at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern tomorrow for my live reaction to the Biden inauguration and Lord only knows what else will happen. Have a great day everybody.